Hey, I just want to thank you again for joining us online at this Easter season. I don't know about you, but I love a great comeback. Uh, oftentimes for me, it happens in sports. Uh, oftentimes it happens at the Olympics where you see these track runners who are running around and it looks like they're going to win only to have the person who just gives that extra, who's way back, who just comes and comes and comes and finally gets across the finish line before the person that was ahead of them or the swimmer that's behind and, and you just see them just gaining ground over and over and over and they finally touch and they out touch the other person and the crowd goes crazy. We seem to be a country and a culture, and I don't know if it's because we might be a little insecure because of Britain and, you know, kind of you know, being the underdog. I don't know, but we're a country that loves the underdog. We love seeing people who've gone through setbacks and making comebacks. In fact, uh, I start thinking about some famous people that you and I know who've experienced this in, your, in their lives. And it's hard to find anybody who's, that you and I would say is a success without finding or identifying that they had some setbacks in their lives before they ever made the comeback. Like how about Walt Disney? Right, you know the story of Walt Disney, where he was told he wasn't actually very good or imaginative. Uh, he actually created this cartoon character, you know, that was uh, called Oswald the Rabbit, but it was never his own. He couldn't, you know, own it because Universal Studio had the rights to it, and so he found himself in this setback, and and yet he didn't give up. He didn't quit, and he decided to create a new character, uh, one that you probably are familiar with, called Mickey you know, Mickey Mouse, that became the first Academy Award winner that was an imaginary actor that actually got an award and the rest is history. And how much Disney has influenced over today because there was a setback that became a comeback. Uh, in fact, think about Michael Jordan, one of the guys that I grew up and, you know, kind of idolized as, as a basketball player. And you know the story, as a sophomore, he was 5'11 and he was cut. He didn't make the varsity team. But that just fueled him. He didn't stay set back. The comeback happened when he came back the next year twice as energetic and more motivated than ever to become eventually the person that you and I know won six NBA championships. And if you watched his documentary that was out this last summer, that you'll understand, man, this guy has a lot of drive. Why? Because he had so many setbacks. The setback actually created the comeback. How about Bethany Hamilton? Uh, you may or may not her, know her, that she's, a, she's a, a surfer, you know, who was surfing one day as a 13-year-old and was bitten by a shark. In fact, lost, you know, uh, most of one of her arms. But that was the setback. The comeback was it didn't stop her. Would it stop me? Absolutely. I would have never gone in the water again. Not Bethany. She came back stronger than ever, competed in competitions and won. And we can highlight her life, but it didn't happen unless she had a setback. Or lastly, how about Steve Jobs? You know, Steve Jobs in 1985, he, he had created this company called Apple, but then he was actually let go from the company that he started. I mean, talk about pain, talk about a setback, talk about a reason to quit, and he didn't. He started other ventures, didn't work out. In fact, one of his companies was called Next. It was a flop, but Apple was suffering so much, they actually bought Next and they made Steve Jobs their interim CEO, and the rest is history. You know, the iPod, the iPad, the iPhone, and all the other eyes that are out there, you know, that Apple continues to make an impact in our world, but it wouldn't have happened if there wasn't a setback that led to a comeback. So you can't have a comeback without a setback. You cannot have a comeback without a setback. Have we had more of a challenging year than this last one when it comes to setbacks? You know, things were going along, you know, about this time last year, and all of a sudden, things got shut down in a moment. It was just 
horrific for so many. Loss of income, loss of finances, kids not able to go to school. What's going to happen next? So many setbacks that have taken place over this last year. People who've lost loved ones, who've died from COVID or other diseases, relationships that's been in the tank, mental health issues that have been rampant, especially among our young people. And so I wonder, what are some of the setbacks in your life? As you look past this last year or even to your further past? Did you grow up in situations or times in your life where you had incredible setbacks? Here's what I know is that for most of us, we didn't stay in the setback. There was an event or there was a moment that caused us to make a comeback. Uh, Let me just tell you one of mine. Uh, I was a pastor in Arizona and things were going up and to the right. And I felt like God was just really working as we started a church, you know, down there from scratch. And it was just such an amazing journey. But one day, unbeknownst to me, it began to level off and the church wasn't going well and I couldn't figure it out. At the same time, my marriage wasn't going well. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you are there. Things were not going well. I was getting irritated with my kids. There was such a dissatisfaction with what was going on in life. And all at the same time, my dad, who had a terminal illness, actually passes away. That was my setback. But I didn't stay there. You know, it's hard when we're in setbacks, when there's those those times in our lives, it's hard to see anything other than the setback, is it? You know, you know that you've been in that kind of well, you've been in that situation that all you see is dark. All you just continue to feel is like, man, is there any way out of this? And if there was a better weekend to be reminded that for every comeback, there's a setback, it's this weekend. It's Easter. It's what it's all about. But it didn't start with the resurrection. It started with a setback. See, the setback took place when Jesus was handed over to be crucified. I mean, if you have a chance, look in your Bibles to Matthew chapters 26 all the way through 27. One of his closest followers named Judas betrays him. Peter, one of another one of his closest followers, actually tries to start a revolt cutting off a high priest's servant ear. And Jesus says, no, no, that's not what I've come for. And then later on, he denies Jesus three times. Uh, You know that Jesus is before trial, you know, first before the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, and they would beat him and they would accuse him falsely. Ever been accused falsely? Uh, And then you've got Jesus before the, the, the Roman governor, the Roman oversight of Pilate, you know, at that day and age. And he had a, he had a chance to let Jesus go, but he chose a criminal instead of Jesus. Jesus then is led back and he's beaten once again. He's whipped, you know, beyond recognition. There's a crown of thorns that's thrust upon his head that is just causing blood to come out. He's forced to carry his own cross to a place called the Skull or Golgotha, where he's then crucified both in his wrists and in his feet, and he's left there to die. One of the most horrific deaths that anyone can go through. Talk about a setback. Talk about loss. And I think about the disciples, the ones who had given up everything, They had left their family businesses. They had left what they knew to follow Jesus because they thought he was going to provide the way that he was going to be the person who was going to overthrow Rome or he was going to be the person that was going to provide them eternal life. And here they are in the midst of the setback. They're scattered. They're scared. I mean, think about it. If they killed Jesus, what's to stop them from killing them as well? Setback. And in those moments... I can only imagine how the disciples feel, but I don't have to imagine very long because I've been there. 
And I've been in that setback, in that season, even in my own life. What about you? What is it that you are engaged with or you found yourself engaged with that has been taken away? Uh, maybe you're a person that found yourself, you know, just going into relationships, thinking relationships is what's going to make you happy. It's what's going to get you fulfilled in life. Or maybe it's uh, it's been, uh, you know, money, or maybe it's been the government, like the government is supposed to take care of, or, or maybe it's the schools that are opening or not opening. What is it that has caused a setback in your life? What's caused a setback? Man, it's so hard. But understand, in every setback, there's always a moment. There's always an event that begins from the setback to move to the comeback. Do you know what that is for you? I know what it was for me. See, for the disciples, it took place in John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark. I love that that's where the story of Easter comes from. It doesn't come in the brightness of the day. It doesn't come when things are going great in our lives. It comes in pain. It comes in darkness. Uh, the great theologian, Batman, uh, once said this, it's always darkest before the dawn. It's always darkest before the dawn. This is the moment. This is the event that would change the disciples' lives and actually change the course of history. It's the resurrection. See, if Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, there is no Christianity. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, there is no New Testament in our Bibles. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, there is no calendar that says that it's now 2021. Where do you think that started from? It's not like the earth was created 2,021 years ago. It's centered around the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I began to wonder, if I'm in your shoes and I've been there, I wonder for those who are not believing, and maybe that's you on this day, what would it take for you to believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead? What evidence or proof do you need for this to be true? You see, if you have doubts, you're not alone. In fact, even some of Jesus' closest followers, one particularly who was actually nicknamed Doubting Thomas, had great doubts. Because Jesus had appeared after his resurrection to his disciples, but there was one person missing. It was Thomas. And they kept trying to tell him, you got to believe, you got to believe. He goes, nope, unless, unless I actually see the nail prints in his wrists and in his side, I will not believe. Well, eight days later from this conversation that Thomas had, the doors were locked, but suddenly, and this is in John chapter 20, suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. And he was pointing to his hands and his wrist. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Thomas couldn't help but exclaim, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. See, that's the key. That's what he's telling for us. What evidence or proof do you need to have? Uh, many of us believe in, in characters like Abraham Lincoln or the Revolutionary War, Napoleon Bonaparte. How do you know those people really lived? How do you know that they actually did what they did or said what they said, but yet we choose to believe those things, especially in a day and age where there's so much fake news? How do we know that Jesus actually rose from the dead? How do we know that he actually even lived? 
do you know there's more archaeological and historical and scientific evidence to prove that Jesus lived, that he died, and he rose again than any other character in the ancient world? Uh, just let me give you a couple examples. As of 2014, over 66,000 early manuscripts prove that Jesus was who he says he was, and he did what he said he did. In fact, accounts of the resurrection, you know, take place all over the Bible and all over outside scriptures. It's absolutely amazing to be able to see what's taken place as you study history, as you look at the evidence that actually demands a verdict. In fact, there's a book out there by Josh McDowell with that same timeline. Now, if you start looking again, is that Jewish believers, they changed the day of worship because of Jesus' resurrection. One of the greatest examples was looking at the disciples who went from fear to obviously great courage. What was the moment? What was the event? It was the resurrection. Or how about my favorite, James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. If you ever have to try to convince a brother or half-brother that you're the son of God and that you raised from the dead, good luck. It proves as he became a leader in the Jerusalem church that Jesus actually was who he says he was. There's so many outside Bible, outside manuscripts and ancient manuscripts that prove that this is true. So if we have a setback, the event or moment awakens us to a new reality, a new hope. Maybe it's just an invitation. You see, that's what it was for me. See, when I was in that dark time, you know, of my own life, I got a phone call. And the phone call was from some guys in a crazy place called Post Falls, Idaho. And they extended an invitation for me and my family to leave where we were at in Arizona at the time and to come up to Northern Idaho. I've never been to Post Falls. I'm like, okay, God, is this really you? Or is I'm, am I just making things up or wanting something to be different? Well, we got on a plane and we came up here and we met the people over in Post Falls, Idaho, who invited me to come on staff. And I looked at them and I said this, guys, I'm broken. There's a lot of hurting things that are taking place in my life right now. And I'll never forget that they looked at me and they said, that's why we want you. We want this to be a place where you can heal, where you can grow, where you can use your gifts and still be used by God. I couldn't help but crying, you know, at that time, that this was my moment. This was my event that was gonna lead me on a different trajectory than the setback that I had experienced. See, the resurrection makes that much difference in our lives and in the lives of so many others. And maybe, just maybe, all you need is an invitation. I wanna invite you to be a part of what God's doing at Valley Real Life. I wanna invite you to be a part of even this next series that we're gonna be going through. You know, it's called Death to Selfie. But we're gonna look at our identity that we're in an identity crisis, you know, here in this culture and in American culture. We don't know who we are. Are we are what we do? Are we are based on our sex or sexuality? You know, are we are based on our relationships, that that's our identity, that's our marker? When somebody asks, who are you? How do you answer that question? So starting the week after Easter, we're gonna dive into those subjects and try to find the answers to that because those might be the moments that awaken you to the reality that Jesus is real and his resurrection truly took place. Because here's the reality. Jesus, as part of the comeback now, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to bring the dead to life. 
A lot of people think, well, no, Jesus, you know, he's he's all about just making me a better person. And 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 although you might become a better person, you need to under, first understand that we were dead, just like Jesus. We were dead in ourselves, in our sins. In fact, in Ephesians 2, 4, it says, but God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us, gave us life as when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Think about it. If this is true, it changes everything. It literally changes everything. The question is, do you believe that? The disciples believed it and their lives were changed. And so are ours because their lives were changed and how that's been passed down. And now millions and billions of people have been affected by this true story. In fact, if Jesus walked out of the grave, are you willing to walk out with him? If Jesus walked out of the grave, can you say, I'm walking out as well. I'm out of this place. I had to make that decision for myself. I say, I'm not going to let this setback become my defining moment in my own life but I'm going to submit myself to Jesus and I'm going to follow his will and his way, which led me to post falls. And it actually led me before you on this day out of the grave. What does that mean for me to walk out of the grave, out of my own grave? It means life, life in two ways, life abundantly and life eternally. Galatians 2.20 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, the best picture of what all this looks like is what we celebrate called baptism. Baptism. It's a beautiful picture. And Romans actually tells us what this picture looks like when it comes to, I'm going to choose to walk out of the grave as Jesus has made a difference in my own life. Romans 6, 3 says, Have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined with him in his death? There's the setback. For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. What a beautiful picture to say, I'm going to die to my old self as I'm buried in my life in the waters of baptism, but I'm raised because Christ was raised from the dead. I'm walking out of the grave as well. In fact, I want to give you a picture of this. Uh, one of the gals in our church named MJ has a great practical and powerful story of what it looks like to go through life, to have a setback, to have a moment, and now to have a comeback. Check out her story. I grew up a Christian family, so I've gone to church my whole life. That's all I know. We'd go every Sunday. I'd go to youth group. And so church has always been in my life. Jesus has always been in my life. But I wouldn't say I really had a relationship with him. People ask him, like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like, I go to church on Sundays. But there was, if you looked at me, you probably wouldn't be able to tell. I was like, I, I have basketball, I have all these great relationships, you know, I know what I'm gonna do when I'm older. I've like everything put together. Like I don't, I know what I'm gonna do. My plans are set. And then God was like, no, <laughs> you know, kind of gave me that intervention and you know, everything just changed. I, basketball was done, school was done. I didn't get to see uh, my friends. I didn't have those same relationships and my whole world just changed. And 
I didn't know what to do and I was like, I just feel so lost. Throughout 2020, just seeing all these events and kind of all the sadness and just looking at people and people who, you know, call themselves Christians, but then their actions, I'm like, but that doesn't seem, you know, very Christ-like. And I just remember thinking to myself, but if people looked at me, what would they say about me? Would you be able to look at me and say, that girl, she's, there's something different about her, you know? And I didn't think that people would look at me and say that. I could point out other people and be like, oh, they're lukewarm. But then I look at myself, I'm like, huh, I'm pretty lukewarm too. Like I'm not doing anything to build that relationship with God. Cause I was like, yep, we're done being lukewarm. We're changing it to hot. I wanted to declare to the church, to God, to everybody that I want to pursue God. I want a relationship with God. I want Him to know me, and I want people to know Him through me. That'd be my statement, you know. My life is for God now. I was about to go in the tub. I started crying in the changing room because I was like, I am so happy right now. Like, Jesus, this is, this is your life now. Like, I'm not living for myself anymore. And I remember just being so excited and so free that I was finally deciding to do it. God wants to know you. He wants that relationship with you and he doesn't want you to put it off. MJ's story is powerful, but what brings it even more power is when we self-reflect and realize where our setbacks may be. Maybe your setbacks is alcohol or some sort of drug dependency. Maybe you continue to, to turn to that over and over and over, and you find yourself and your life just going in a direction you never intended it to be you have an opportunity to receive a comeback, a moment where you can say, Jesus, I put you first. Uh, maybe you're a person who is bogged down by some dysfunctional relationships. Maybe you've gone through relationship after relationship after relationship and you've not really been committed or you've been hurt over and over and over. Maybe it's because the one relationship that you're looking for is the one you've most been designed for, which is in Jesus. And maybe right now is your moment to be able to say, that's the healthy relationship I need to carry into all of my relationships. And so I'm gonna come out of the grave. I'm gonna come out of the water and experience him. Uh, maybe you're a businessman or woman. Maybe you're a person who has tried to put yourself and your worth and your significance into resources and into titles. And over the past year or even in your lifetime, you've had setback after setback after setback. And what Jesus is doing is he's wanting to get a hold of your life to realize you'll never find ultimate meaning or significance until you surrender yourself, come out of the grave, come out of the waters of baptism and into newness of life with him. What's your setback? What's the thing that you're going through where you need to experience a comeback? See, the second part of this idea of coming out of the grave, as Jesus, you're going out of the grave, I'm coming to, is not just life, abundantly on this side, which is what we're going to receive, but life eternally. See, we have an eternal decision to make. I've made mine. Have you made yours? In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What this means is that, that there's no more setbacks that you're going to have in your life that compares with what Jesus has overcome because of the grave. 
Every setback that you will experience from the moment you accept Christ moving forward puts those setbacks into perspective because no matter how hard this life gets, no matter how painful this life gets, there's always going to be a moment to overcome. There's always going to be a comeback. Even if death itself is what calls you one day, you will never be set back for all eternity. Eternity allows us to get through the setbacks in the here and now. It allows us because of the resurrection, because of what Jesus did on that cross, proven by the resurrection that we celebrate on this day. We are free, but it's a decision that you have to make. And so as you make this decision, here's the question I want to ask. Jesus walked out of the grave. So are you? Will you? be willing to do the same. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you walked out of the grave and you're inviting us to do the same in our own lives. We love you and we thank you for this opportunity, even right now, as we pray this wherever we're watching from, however we might be connecting, that this would be true in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.